This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. This is take number six for this intro. Um, some days you just don't have it. I went skiing this morning. I did some other stuff. And some some days you're just not like you're not on the doing an intro train. And that's where we're at today. Um, but I hope everybody's been doing well. I hope things are going well in your life. And uh, and I hope you got out skiing today. As, uh, as grim as it was uh, and as grim as it is in New England and much of the U.S. right now. Uh, we're having a good time. We are having a good time. We're doing the damn thing, and I am psyched. Um, a couple things uh, we might as well talk about here. Uh, we have two amazing guests on this week's show, and uh, I might as well tell you about them. Uh, Vasu Sojitra is our first guest. We recorded this one a couple weeks ago, and uh, and it's rad. If you don't know who Vasu is, check him out on Instagram. He is a uh, disability access strategist i almost say strategist every single time and i'm like this is not a thing uh but we talk about all kinds of things including some of like of my go-to hot button topic type questions um but we kind of dive deep on a few things as well and uh obviously we talk about the approach film that he was a part of ascend um that he was a part of and his disabled descent of denali that was captured in warren miller Uh, there's so many things this dude has going on i don't know how he's so calm and how he's just like dealing with it so um, that's Vasu. I hope you guys enjoy that conversation, and that's up first. Uh, and then we have Sam Cooch. Sam Cooch is uh, the up-and-comer in skiing right now. He is laid-back, humble, and uh, doesn't really like talking to him. T- t- talking to him. Of course, he doesn't like talking to him. Talking to talking about himself. And I feel like that's a really big compliment. It's a big compliment from me because, like, I... I, I don't know. I hate talking about myself, like, which is a weird thing to say for somebody coming from like hosting a podcast. But I think it's really, I think it's really interesting to see how Sam is handling it because he's blowing up right now. Um, and he's so calm. He's so humble. And he's just like, you know what? Like I I'm really lucky and I'm really grateful for, for all the opportunities. And it, it doesn't feel like it's a thing he's just saying. It feels like he really means it. And it feels like that's like what he feels at his core. And from what I've heard from people that know him, that's that's the truth. So um, he's one of the best skiers on the planet, regardless of whether he wants to admit it or not. Uh, he is uh, he's the man right now. So and we talk about his new film, Here Goes, uh, which is available on Arterix's YouTube page. Um, so be sure to check that out. We talk about mindfulness. We talk about working with Arterix. We talk about athletes in general. He got a new manager and uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff. So be sure to tune in. Um, this is uh, this is a good one. Uh, obviously, before we jump into the episode, we have sponsors. Um, so first, I wanted to thank our friends at Burn Helmets. Burn Helmets uh, make things that protect your head. They make helmets. That's uh, it's basically as simple as it can be. Uh, they are based in Massachusetts, which is uh, my home state, for better or for worse. Um, we both reside here. Um, and the wonderful people at Burn have decided to give you uh, 15% off on a new lid. Uh, and you can use promo code OUTOFBOUNDS15 to do that. Um, I believe that's the right promo code, and I hope that's the right promo code because I don't have it in front of me right now because I'm the worst and not prepared at all. But I will include it in the show notes, and we'll get it all dialed. 
Um, but yeah, get a new lid. I just got myself one. And for you big headed people out there, this is the best fitting large headed, large headed, large fitted helmet that I have ever tried on by far. I, I run a ski shop. Like I'm, I'm trying on helmets all the time. This is it. If you have a big head, I'm sure if you have a small head, it works great too, but big head people, I'm talking to you. This is, uh, it's the shit. It really like, I'm shocked. I have so much hair and I have such a big head. Can you imagine what that looks like? Um, it just, yeah, just get a burn helmet, protect your lid, protect your noggin and, uh, and yeah, get you a helmet. Um, we'll have more to come, but leave us a review on iTunes. If you get the opportunity, uh, enjoy my conversation first with Vasu Sojitra and then with Sam Cooch. Thanks. So why don't we kind of dive in a little bit to who you are as an athlete, who you are as a skier, um, and like a little bit more about yourself. So uh, obviously I did a little bit of research before this. I am notorious for not doing nearly enough research. Um, so you'll have to kind of guide me through this a little bit. Um, when you were nine months old, you got, I mean, you had a blood infection that caused amputation of your right leg. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Um, and then you started skiing and you're from India originally. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut actually, and then lived in India. Yep. And then came back to Connecticut. Okay, cool. I'm, uh, I'm not far from Connecticut myself. Actually, I'm like 15 minutes from the border as we speak or as I sit. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about your experience as a skier. Where did you start skiing growing up? Um, I was reading a little bit, um, and it was like, you taught yourself how to ski, um, because one of the ski instructors or the ski instructors there didn't really know how to teach you how to ski. Yeah. So there wasn't a, so I, I grew up skiing. I started skiing when I was 10. Um, that was kind of a monumental time because I stopped using a prosthetic at that time too, and only used forearm crutches from then on. Um, and I started skateboarding first and got into more of the, I guess, quote unquote, extreme sports, things that I was watching on the X games and, you know, watching TV shows like Rocket Power and uh, movies like Johnny Tsunami, just trying to see people like me and uh, at least folks of color uh, doing these things. I didn't really see too many disabled folks doing many of these things. But um, so I started seeing that and I, you know, me and my friends in the apartment complex we lived in wanted to go skiing one day and you know we decided to go to uh a small ski area called ski sundown um you know not hartford yep um very very small mountain but um great place to learn just because of the access to it was like an hour away maybe so not too bad um and yeah, I was in a ski lesson, but there was no adaptive ski lessons at the time. Now they have those, which is great. Um, and uh, yeah, just, you know, difficult time teaching how to ski. And me and my brother decided to dip out and go ski on our own. Um, of course, it was frustrating falling all the time. Kind of happens all, you know, when you're learning something new. So that happened. But, you know, coincidentally ran into another dude with one leg on the hill while I was just like lying there after a fall and he was just like hey man keep going and then just like skied off you know I mean looking back he was like an average skier so you know nothing out of the ordinary you know now but back then I was like holy crap like seeing another one-legged skier out here like in this tiny little ski hill like what are the chances so yeah very serendipitous um so that kind of pushed me even more catalyzed like 
some research. I saw what he was using, which were outriggers, which are pretty much forearm crutches with little skis on them. And I started researching those, trying to convince my parents to get those. They're, you know, a couple hundred dollars compared to ski poles. So um, that, that lack of access there too financially is always a tricky one. Um, was able to do that and just, you know, kept going with my brother and a few friends, mutual friends just over and over again, started realizing that there's like a big community around Paralympics and started really learning about adaptive sports, doing some of my own research online. Um, and that kind of pushed me into going to the University of Vermont, getting closer to the mountains as well. Um, easier ski access, the outing club, the triple major pass, all these, you know, easier ways to get to the mountain um, that catalyzed all of this stuff and connected me with more folks that are, you know, enjoying skiing and want to get outside. So that kind of moved me forward into, into this space. And then, um, yeah, me and my friends just wanted to go backcountry skiing because we like hiking and skiing. So might as well combine the two. So we decided to give that a try too and made some, uh, made some of my own equipment to do that. And that's kind of gotten me where I'm at today. Awesome. That's mm-hmm. uh, very, I don't know, like how, how did you decide to become like a professional skier? I mean, first of all, you're doing you're doing some amazing things here i think you're one you're you absolutely rip and you're taking on these big ski objectives you're skiing in the backcountry skiing first descent first disabled descent of denali um as is, is what they're or sorry um hang on let me just pause this real quick i'm i'm like cutting in and out here real quick no no worries um see what's going on here um so why don't you hey i just cut it back in here why don't you tell me a little bit about becoming a professional skier and what that experience has been like i mean because that's not a it's not a path that i've seen a ton of people take in the disabled community right like it's it's you're a role model um for so many people i think yeah i mean i i was never like I definitely uh, enjoyed watching the Paralympics when I was growing up, or at least like knowing about them because they weren't really publicized as well as they are now. Um, But I never was like really attracted to the racing idea. I'm not like too competitive. I can turn that switch on and off. So I wasn't really into that idea or even wearing like, you know, skin tight suits and only racing ice. I wanted to go. I, I kind of like doing what I want to do is kind of the thing. I like yeah. my autonomy and um, and kind of just ski all over the place and wiggle around trees and stuff like that. So um, I didn't really want to go that path at all and started realizing that uh, once I started getting into the backcountry and creating my own gear to do so, there wasn't that many people doing what I was doing. So, you know, as I was getting better and better in my late, teens and early 20s uh i started realizing that there was definitely this niche because i kept getting hit up by other you know adaptive skiers and whatnot to see how i was doing it so i was like oh this is really cool like i can help support other adaptive athletes to get in the backcountry as well and i still you know get hit up here and there too so um yeah it's just a started creating like this new idea within the adaptive sports world that you 
Paralympian Paralympics is not the only path for athletes to go as, you know, athletes with disabilities. Um, there's a lot of different paths that we can choose or create for ourselves if we have the right support. So, you know, as I was starting to get better into the backcountry, I started marketing myself as well, taking photos, getting interviewed by local magazines. You know, uh, I started reaching out to different companies just to get like some free gear and like tag them in content and things like that as any like, you know, new person in the industry starts to do. And then as I started building those relationships, I started getting bigger and bigger contracts. So it was a, yeah, it was definitely a slow process over the past 10 years to do that, but um, it definitely paid off. And I think it definitely is, I think opened, opened doors for a lot of other adaptive athletes to realize that that's not the only, like, again, Paralympics is not the only path to go to be a professional athlete, but you can also do other things and do the things that you love to so and get paid for it, which is great. Um, and, you know, be able to um, share your voice and share our voice in whatever way that works. So that was kind of the, what I started learning is that there are so many different paths that we can take um, and not, not trying to bash the Paralympics. They're, they do a <laughs> job, but it's just like, you know, that was just the only route that I saw when I was younger for yeah. adaptive athletes to go and, I don't think that's true anymore, not just because of me, but for by many other adaptive athletes as well. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's just a combination of a lot of different things we can do. Yeah, I guess a, a couple things on that. So one of the things that I've kind of been pushing for a while is like, I, to me, if you're a sponsored athlete, like you need to be getting paid, right? But at the same time, like you mentioned, when you're getting flowed gear, like that is kind of your introduction to working with these brands, right? And a lot of times that's that's the system that's created in this industry is, you know, you start getting flowed gear and then if you're good and they like you or whatever, they feel like you have a marketable story in some way, then you start getting paid sometimes, right? Um, what is what is that part like? Do you, do you like that model? Um, because to me... I feel like it leads to this thing where brands use younger athletes, athletes coming into the sport and they kind of leverage gear for marketing content, marketing value. And, and to me, that's not, I don't know. In, on one side of things, I have a huge problem with it, right? Like I think yeah. it, it allows, it allows brands to take advantage of younger athletes, people that don't know any better. Right. right. Yeah. Totally. But at the same time, it gets your foot in the door. Yeah, exactly. Literally like the only foot. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was definitely a hard one because I had to continue to prove myself to this industry that tends to not really focus on disability at all. It still doesn't. Um, that like, no, like this is important. <laughs> over and over again, like this, and I had to explain why it's important. So like this conversation around DEI was happening 10 years ago for me, at least as to like why you need to include a disabled athlete on your team because you don't have a disabled athlete on your team and it's going to open up eyes for so many different people around the world um so yeah it was yeah this like extractive model of using young athletes for gear only is is very problematic and i don't really know workaround at the moment other than like trying to create mentorship programs where these athletes are working with you know more veteran athletes on the team or you know someone that they get like kind of associated with maybe through a relationship they've had or whatnot and then kind of grow into that um together 
um, you know, so it's a little bit more genuine and reciprocal and, you know, creates, you know, helps, helps these athletes not just focus on like being the raddest, baddest person, but also learning how to like create community and uplift new skiers as they keep coming into the industry, you know? So, um, and in, you know, skiers that might not look like them either. So, you know, mentoring, you know, folks of color, skiers of color and, you know, queer skiers and disabled skiers and just trying to like bridge these gaps between all these communities would be a really cool way of, you know, changing up the system instead of just like finding the fastest skier out there and giving them free gear until they like blow themselves up and then can't do it anymore. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I hope that, you know, that kind of lift as we climb model gets pushed into the industry a little bit more instead of just like this individual model that we keep running into over and over again. It's hard though, because like, I don't know, I'm, I'm sitting in the chair of someone who has figured out a way to get paid. And so are you, right? Like, and we've gotten to this point initially, like I took some free stuff and I'm like, okay, gear works like in this, and this does the job. And I'm not even on the athlete side. I'm just saying on the media side, it's like, you're new at this and you want to push this thing, you want to push this envelope and you're just hoping for your foot in the door. And you realize that the companies have a lot of the power um, when it comes to spending that advertising budget. And I think it's really important for people, especially younger people that are athletes um, to know that it's, it's more than just, it's important to be more than just an athlete. It's important to know your worth in a certain way. Right. Like, and to know that these companies do need you. Right. Exactly. So it's like, I don't know. It's a, I, yeah, I keep going back to this like idea that these companies are very extractive and I'm trying to figure out how not to be as well in the moment. And yeah, yeah, we are sitting in these seats, but like it took for me 10 years in the industry to be where I'm at now. Whereas, you know, some other folks might be much quicker into it. Um, and it only took me 10 years because of the like mass amount of support I've had throughout my life to be able to do this. Whereas like, I know the next disabled person or person of color or queer person does not have that support, same support, at least they have probably different support and it might not get them to the same level. It might get them to a different level, but you know, like how can we start including these different voices and athletes, younger athletes that might identify in much, much different ways into these you know very problematic industries um and i think again it is like switching up system as to how athletes come into the industry and um yeah i keep i keep falling back into this like mentorship pipeline model instead of just like you know creating content that individualizes someone someone's ability mm. only um i think there's a, again as you were saying like there's a lot more to an athlete than ability for our worth i think everyone has worth no matter who you are and what your ability is so um yeah i don't even i don't it's it's really comical to see or it's more like telling to see the various amount of athletes the teams that i'm on and like the lack of voice they kind of have um which is which pretty much like tells me that they haven't been like um put into this like idea of how to help each other out instead of just focusing on themselves so it's 
that's and it's not it's not a problem like an individual problem i think it's just like that's how the industry works it, it focuses that's, yeah that's how it's designed Indi like it's a telling sign of the industry more so than anything it's like it tell it it the industry is pretty much telling these athletes to just focus on themselves over and over again instead of focusing on you know the many facets in their life and their community's lives and everything like that so you know i wish as you know the industry progresses like we start shifting towards those more community-based models where the athletes are uplifting the communities that they're a part of as well as the people that are in their communities as well to then hopefully create these like pipelines where new skiers and new riders can come in and feel included and get paid for what they're worth kind of thing. So it's, that's kind of where my idealistic brain goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I, yeah, I agree in a lot of ways. It's, it's a complicated topic, I think, to, to address. And so many of the topics that are important to talk about in skiing right now are um, complicated and they're multifaceted and obviously like situational in so many ways too right because for some people they may have the money and that may be what they want is gear right they maybe just don't want to pay for their gear like yeah. so for some people i may be like just preaching to the wrong group but um in a lot of, like the people you see get taken advantage of a lot in a lot of situations um are those ones who just don't know better so i, I do feel like it's an important topic to talk about yeah um one of the other things i wanted to talk to you about was um you have multiple film projects out right now um so talk to me a little bit about both of those um and tell me yeah tell me what the story is yeah so there's so we just dropped the approach film um that was a collaboration with several different brands north face being one of them um and uh the producer was ingrid backstrom and and cleary um and it was a it was a collective, pretty much primarily all women, and then me, um, to just kind of encapsulate the the diversity that the ski industry is, um, and then showcase how we all are working together to support each other for our own ambitious goals. So, and how we approach you know our day to day ski adventures or lives in general. Um, so it was, a, it was a really cool way of just encapsulating a lot of different diverse narratives into, you know, a film and showcase how we do work together as a community, but also, you know, have our own individual goals as well at the same time. So, um, yeah, super cool. Love the people I worked with. They're all really close friends of mine. And, you know, it's it's highlighting, again, a lot of the people that I wish I saw when I was younger, you know, so you know, folks of color, adaptive athletes, more so women, uh, based a lot around like caring for each other and just supporting each other and lifting each other up. Um, and yeah, that was, that's kind of been the main focus of that one. And then, um, then uh, the other film was Ascend, which is uh, more focused on, again, my, my personal narrative, but um, we tried to move away from that individualism and focus on the teamwork. Um, I went up Mount Moran with uh, Zahan, who's a uh, who's a mountain guide based out of Jackson, and then uh, uh, Emily uh, Zenobia, who is a rip and snowboarder. Uh, she's a black lady with these like wild curls, um, kind of like yours actually. So. <laughs> um, 
And uh, yeah, it was just super cool to, again, the focus of that one was really, you know, deeper conversation about how disability shows up in the outdoors and how folks of color show up in the outdoors and how, what that means to us, um, gaining access and support as well. Um, and then just the biggest, you know, thing for me was that this film was only going to showcase minority um, and again, mostly folks that are historically excluded. So the only people that were in front of the lens were us three, all folks of color uh, from varying backgrounds. And then um, the, the entire production team was primarily majority minority led. So primarily folks of color, disabled folks and queer folks um, kind of producing and storytelling um, and directing. So uh, that was super cool. My friend uh, Faith Briggs was the one who directed it all and the folks at Top Top um, helped produce it. So um, as well as North Face. So yeah, it was, it was a big focus on what can happen when, you know, when, you know, folks that are not usually included are the ones that are highlighted. So, and the stories that we tell. Um, and then what are the conversations we have in the mountains um, around disability or around access, around being a person of color and just, you know, the, the similarities and just feeling, feeling like, you know, validated and supported by folks that are going through something similar of, of you know, being in a very homogenous industry. So yeah, that, that one was a little bit more nuanced. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, super cool film. I really enjoyed it. It's, it, it's going to be touring with the Banff Mountain Film Festival and then a awesome. lot of other film festivals. So um, yeah. And then um, the third film is, it's not, I guess it's not its own standalone film, but our ski ascent and descent of Denali as well within Warren Miller. So yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of different films. Yeah, you got a lot going on. I don't know how you keep your head straight. I don't know how you keep it rolling. It's uh, it's got to be. Is it exhausting? Like doing a film, like a tour of films, especially if it's multiple films. You got multiple things going on at all times. You got all kinds of people, myself right. included, asking you to do interviews and all kinds of shit. Like this is uh, it's a lot, man. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I sleep a lot and I <laughs> heavily, which is great. <laughs> That's awesome. That's why I finally hired a manager who can help me stay. <laughs> stay in line <laughs> and help me focus because then i'm just doing my own thing and not really focusing on my yeah. work i guess <laughs> it's uh yeah it's something i don't i give you guys I mean, you guys is in like any professional skier anybody touring stuff especially you because you're doing multiple um a ton of credit because I, I i wouldn't be able to keep my head on straight and uh and yeah it's it, it's amazing um one of the things i wanted to ask you about specifically um, with Ascend is like that to me is a prime example of a brand in the North Face, you know, like taking what they have for influence and kind of showcasing it in in a way that is and showcasing people of color like and all kinds of different people without being tokenistic or I don't even know if it's a word. Maybe I just made it up, but um, <laughs> like using the token guy, right. Or the token girl or the token they like, it's, it's crazy to me how much in skiing you see like one woman on a team, one person of color on a team. Um, 
and that limitation. But I think the way that you guys did this project is the opposite of that in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it shows a good example of like, this, this is rad. Like there, there's rad shit out there. So I guess, I don't know. I kind of want to have a conversation a little bit about tokenism in the ski industry. Oh yeah, totally. So, I mean, a lot of the work that I do behind the scenes is based on how to break down these problematic behaviors within the ski industry or the outdoor industry. So, um, and then the work that I do showcasing it in front of the lens is putting my words to action. Um, so with the film Ascend, it's all based on what I've learned and what I usually teach companies on how to be more inclusive and less tokenizing and all these problematic behaviors, whatever, um, less of that and be more inclusive, I guess, be, you know, providing clear access and clear, you know, intention behind the storytelling. So being more ethical about it. So yeah, it is, it is incredibly difficult to do so. And I, I keep bringing it back to this concept. One of my friends who is a, in who's uh, non-binary trans and indigenous, um, who told me that the revolution is going to be relational and is relational. So, you know, for me, the biggest thing is just building genuine relationships with people that actually care and are intentional about all of their actions. Um, being anti-racist is not just a checklist being, you know, intentional isn't just a checklist. It's a, it's a way of life. So, um, that's kind of the idea and that's the relationships I tend to build throughout it. And if, you know, if people are struggling to understand it in my friend groups, like we're more than happy to chat about it more and more so we can start being on the same, same page and whatnot. But that's the biggest idea is just building relationships, intentional relationships with companies, brands, people, producers, directors, athletes, anyone to create these content, create these pieces, um, showcase the leadership, the language, the tone, all of this stuff that can hopefully again, create some sort of change in the industry, create this paradigm shift that I'm constantly looking for. So um, that's, that's the biggest idea. That's what I tell industry is like, yo, you've been in your own little bubble, your own like nepotistic bubble of, you know, just hiring your friends and your colleagues who are tend to be white, male, cis, hetero, whatever, non-disabled. So uh, get out of it and connect with other communities that are out there because they are out there. The adaptive sports world is massive. There's four to 500 different organizations around the country that are, you know, creating um, opportunities with disabled folks. So uh, connect with them, see what they need, you know, build genuine relationships and start, you know, building marketing campaigns around what they're looking for. It's not what you're looking for half the time. So it's, you know, that's kind of the idea around it is just building relationships, connecting with people, finding leaders, elevating those leaders and those narratives and communities as much as possible, not just through media and marketing, but also through the back end as well. And listening, actively listening, because sometimes white folks and non-disabled folks and cis hetero folks have a really hard time listening to different narratives and get really butthurt about it, (laughs) which is frustrating to say the least, because we've been saying this over and over again. And then last summer happened and it's like, no fucking shit. Like, <laughs> knew this, like we knew America was bursting at the seams. We were telling you this for decades and generations. And now see what happens. Like, this is what happens. 
we create, you know, deep, deep animosity and division within our country. And this is because the industry has been so complacent around so many of these issues. And we don't have to be. That's the thing. There are solutions to this. The solutions are in the communities that are being most impacted. So why not, you know, connect with these communities in, you know, more genuine ways and figure out different solutions to these problems. And yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, you're totally right. Like to me last summer was like, okay, like this makes sense. This isn't news to anybody, right? Like the America is very racist in a lot of ways. Like, and we are, the system is kind of set up in so many ways for, especially in the ski industry for people that are white to succeed. Like it's just, it just is what it is. It's not, and every time I complain about this on the internet or I say something about this, inevitably someone is like, oh, like you're just looking for reasons to be upset. There's nobody like nobody's saying don't go skiing because you're black, brown, Arab, Indian, whatever. Right. Like nobody's saying these things like and I'm like, that's not the point. That's not the argument ever. Um, right. And that's always the that's the thing I try to like. It's so hard, especially on Instagram, to have this conversation and sound sane right yeah of course i think you do a good job of doing it i always am looking at it and i'm like all right this motherfucker is 10 <laughs> seconds away from getting blocked and i'm just never gonna think about him again yeah. <laughs> you tend to have a more cohesive especially i saw some of your comments and this is different kind of a different tangent but i saw some of your commentary where you were arguing with people on new schoolers about your opinions about like the ad that got put out from jay skis and like i just think that you do a good job of like addressing these issues well, yeah i mean i yeah it's just like this entitlement that comes in the industry or like this lack of understanding of different narratives is very it seems like very difficult for people to understand in the first place is like yes people aren't technically explicitly saying because David <laughs> brown you know you shouldn't ski but there's a lot of implicit behavior that says that so yeah. You know, and that comes back to the media, that comes back to the culture and the conversations people have, the language, the broiness, the elitism, all these things that the ski industry culture has created, um, which make a lot of these communities feel very, very much excluded. So, um, yeah, it's not explicit, to say the least. It's very implicit. And um, these biases are are hard to view if you're not really looking for them, you know, so it's uh it's <laughs> yeah the conversations on the internet don't really tend to get me anywhere so most <laughs> most of the work i do is just show it instead of tell it on the internet and then mm. doing a lot of work behind the scenes with leaders that are actually listening so i don't really give a shit about the trolls that go into my dms or into my comment section they can they can just float around in the ether if they want and just yell at the internet if they want um they're they're a waste of my time i don't i don't want ill will on them at all i want all humans to feel included but still like that kind of narrative is super harmful to many many communities so um i'm not here for that um i don't want to give them space or time of day or a platform i usually just don't even bother you know commenting back because that gives them a platform um so yeah a lot of it is like who is the who are the people actually listening? Is it the folks at REI? Is it the folks at North Face, Subaru, wherever? Like, are those the people that are listening and wanting to take part in these conversations? Great, cool, sweet. They have way more influence over a cultural shift than the 
idiot behind the screen, you know? So that's not, you know, the people that I'm looking for, are not the trolls. Like those are not yeah. the ones that I'm going to put fists up for. The ones that I'm going to have these deeper conversations with are the ones that have more so like political power in the sense of the ski industry um, right. it won't become political. But so it's like, that's, that's where, that's where I'm at is like talking to these leaders, talking to the people that are definitely the change makers behind these companies instead of the random people that, you know, the Joe Schmoes of the world that I'm, I, I have no connection to. So. Yeah. I think one of, one of the important things too, to kind of mention is that like when, when I say these things and I'm sure when you say these things, it's not like when I say, even when I say American, America is racist. Like I don't mean everybody's racist, right? Like I don't mean every person, my, like my buddy down the street is not necessarily racist, right? Like that's not, that's not what I'm saying. It's just that there is racism in America and it's, and it's important to address. It's not, people get very defensive when you start saying like, oh, people are racist. They go, oh, I'm not racist. Right. I just don't feel the need to like, yell about where i stand and you know what i get it in a lot of ways i it's just sometimes you need to say like and you kind of need to like i don't know coerce people into being like look i'm not coming at you necessarily i'm just saying that it is a thing and it's something we need to be aware of so that it doesn't steamroll into something bigger yeah i mean yeah we also as a country don't know what we don't have a uh the same definition of racism that many people that are trying to create this change have, you know, like whenever I say something's racist, it's not like, Oh, you're part of the KKK. No, that's not the point. <laughs> no, no, no. It means, yeah, a lot of it is based on systems of power and privilege and how that affects this complacency, the status quo, this, that keeps uplifting this complacency and status quo that, continues to exclude folks of color specific when it's to racism or folks with disabilities when it's you know systems of ableism you know folks like systems of homophobia that's against you know queer folks so it's like that's that's what i'm talking about like each one of our actions can be racist or anti-racist um that keep this system rolling or slow it down one of the two you know so that's kind of the idea where i'm at is like okay how do we create action daily action that slows this racist wheel down in our country and starts uplifting these communities that have been historically excluded. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the idea. Um, I, I also personally believe everyone's a little bit racist, but you know, whatever. <laughs> we, live, we live in a very, very biased world based on our lived experiences. So, you know, I'm not going to know what your life experience is and, you know, because of that, I have certain biases that, you know, right. I have about you um, compared to, you know, you having about me. So it's like, we don't all live in a cookie cutter world where everyone has zero biases. We all have biases that create, create animosity or create division or create similarities or whatever, you know? So um, that's, yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's definitely a hard thing, but, you know, I always go back to the fact that like, it's it's our similarities that are going to bring us together and our similarity of being human is like the biggest thing and you know most of most people have similar values of like you know supporting community and you know whatnot but how do we do that in a way that's you know collective instead of so individualistic that this country is constantly built on so that's that's kind of 
the idea that I keep going back to is like our industry can be very collective, can, you know, uplift a lot of different communities in the process instead of these like little status quo people that it constantly chooses. Um, but, you know, we are a little far from that, but I, I feel like a lot of folks are combating that individualism very much so that yeah. can hopefully, hopefully break down these biases um, in the process. Yeah. Yeah, I find it one of the hardest things that I kind of struggle with is is being I don't want to be annoying to people like I don't want to be like, hey, fuck you. There's racism everywhere. Like, wait, like, I don't know. It's hard for me to find a balance between like, I love this industry in so many ways. I also hate this industry in so many ways. Like, I think mm -hmm. so many things about this industry infuriate me. Right. Like I. I grew up Muslim and Arab and like not like in a family owning a ski shop. Mm -hmm. like so it's like with no money no brands like nobody wanted to open us as when i was a kid so like this right. is like my background in new england in springfield mass where it's like we get no snow mm -hmm. and it's not exactly the prime demographic for skiing and these are just my experiences and now that i'm like an adult i can speak about those things so sometimes i feel like i try really hard to tear that line between being like annoying and actually making sure that people hear me and kind of get my point. And I'm sure you kind of have to struggle with that to a certain extent as well. And maybe you don't, maybe you're a better person for this than I am. And you actually don't give a fuck what people think one way or the other, but I, I struggle with it. <laughs> yeah. For the most part, I don't give a fuck what people think, but I, mean, <laughs> I, I can say that now because I have a strong platform and voice, you know, um, I, I don't know if I would have said that years ago when I didn't have a stronger voice and didn't know what I was talking about. So, you know, that, that's, that's a completely different story, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it again is like, I don't know, I've been told I'm intimidating and I'm too much. I'm like, I don't really care, man. Like, <laughs> like it was, it's not about you or it's not about me. Like that's not, this is not the point. Like I'm not trying to like, be the smartest wokest person here i'm just trying to make sure that other people feel included in these spaces because many of the times they don't so and i've seen it firsthand through the adaptive sports industry i've seen it connecting with folks many folks of color in the industry it's like we just don't so and it's based on a lot of these like really really problematic behaviors that we keep seeing culturally within the industry so you know like I don't, I don't really care. I'll just tell it how it is. And if you want to listen, great. If you don't like get out of the way. So like, you know, yeah. someone else will listen someone else in power will be listening and realize like, Oh, right. This is what will create a cultural shift. So that's, that's kind of where I'm putting my energy into is like, as I was saying before, like the trolls can get out of the way. The people that say like, you know, you're doing too much or you're too much or you're too intimidating or you're too PC, whatever, like, can get out of the way i don't really care about those humans um you know they're just sucking energy out of my life so i'm going to try to put my energy into spaces that continue to uplift the communities that i'm a part of and the communities that have historically been excluded so you know that's that's just where i'm at and that's just the boundary that i've created um throughout this i guess whatever activism advocacy outspoken role that i've created for myself so um yeah <laughs> yeah i love that i love that very much um all right last last thing and it's kind of a funny one um and it has to do with race and i actually kind of did it to you a little bit earlier so uh i'm only bringing this up because someone asked me yesterday um the where are you from question do you get right. that a lot 
it's like it's my favorite question to answer because i always just go springfield like yeah. and then they're like no 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 where are you really from yeah I, I mean i do get that answer a lot and i usually respond like are you asking about my ethnicity or actually where i'm from yeah, and then right. they kind of like they kind of like get a little flustered and get sweaty right. which is great um i don't I, again like people have a really really hard time talking about race um so usually yeah usually i i i respond in a question that's like what are you actually <laughs> asking me <laughs> um because i mean we get it so often that it's it's kind of easy to read between the lines yeah, you know what's coming, right? Like oh, that's yeah, what I'm saying is like I absolutely know what you're asking, and I'm absolutely yeah. going to make it as fun for me as I can. Oh, of course, it's I, I like making white people feel queasy about race. Um, <laughs> that's like one of my favorite things to do, because uh, like as folks of color, we we know we're different, <laughs> so and we know we're okay talking about race for the most part. You know? So um, and. Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny when white folks have such a hard time because, like, again, we live in such a white culture that whiteness is become normalized. So it's hard to talk about what white culture even is. So, yeah, when when someone asks me that, it's definitely I I usually turn it back on them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to do it for sure. I uh, yeah, and again, it's like it's not a slight on anybody. To me, it's not a slight on anybody. It's just like I I think it's funny because that's where people's brain goes. It's like, oh, yeah. where are you from? Because you look a little different than I do. And even if I like, I don't know, other Arab people ask me this all the time, and I'm like, I know what you're asking too, right? Like it comes from them too. Yeah, of course. So I'm just like it. I, just, I mean, I love I love running into like South Asian folks in mountain towns because there's not many of us, and I'm like, you know, I I directly ask him. I'm like are you are you indian man like this is sick i don't see many south asians out here and then it's like no i'm like bangladeshi or sri lankan or whatever i'm like sick hell yeah like love to see that um yeah you know so um yeah salama yeah. just talked about this on the bomb hole uh little uh last week i think and he was talking about how he sees another black guy in line at a ski resort it's like you're a single i'm a single let's ride together. We're going to tell each other the same story about the same experiences that we've shared yeah. in this industry. And I was like, that quote to me, it fits so many different like groups of individual, like groups of people basically that are not necessarily the majority. Right. Exactly. And I mean, that's the, that's the power of these, what we call affinity spaces or identity spaces is like, once we start connecting with people that have gone through similar lived experiences as us, based on a racist system or an ableist system or whatnot, we have a lot of similarities, you know, of like how people treat us. And, you know, for me as a disabled person, I don't know how many times I get scanned up and down and I just like stare at them while they're scanning me up and down and then I scan them up and down. So it's like, um, cause a lot of people have never seen like someone with forearm crutches walking around casually with confidence, skateboarding around town or whatnot. So it's like, it's very sure. much their purview. So <laughs> it's it's hilarious right so you know all these little experiences it's nice to you know chat with folks that have gone through something similar and be like oh sick like you went through that too that sucked didn't it <laughs> well i'm not in this alone you know I'm yeah for sure because of it you know there's someone other people that are going through it with me and you know this collective suffering i guess is like in the end like kind of a way of feeling validated in a world that's kind of messed up so yeah yeah it's uh sure. that's that's kind of yeah that's that's the best i try to i try to connect with any disabled athlete that i see on the hill i'm like oh sick dude like i was riding that monoski like a few weeks ago 
I don't know. What do you think about it? Kind of thing, you know, like, Oh, you're so inspirational. Like blah, 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 blah. It's that's not the point. Like, right. A lot of it, a lot of it is beyond empathy. It's more so like building the solidarity of like sick. Like, did that work for you? Did it not? Like, would that work for me as a disabled person? Mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know. Like, you know, I know a lot of like wheelchair users that use like, you know, that long claw reaching like, apparatus thing i don't know <laughs> to get cups yeah, yeah, yeah. you know things like that i'm like oh that's a great idea like <laughs> i might have to try to use that next time i hurt myself and i'm in a wheelchair so yeah all these little like that's what i kind of get attracted to is like what are your ways of problem solving around these barriers <laughs> instead of like oh poor you you know it's like that's not the point like i know you're disabled i know you go through struggles just like i do I know you're a person of color. I know you get impacted by racism, just like I do. But what are your ways of working around it? So we can build this solidarity of like working through these problems together. And then maybe like in the end, these like conversations are what create action in these communities too. So it's like, all right, sick. Like we're working through these solutions together and we're not gonna deal with this racist behavior anymore. So this is how we work through it. So um, I don't know, that's, that's kind of how I, I view it as well yeah and that's that collectivism it's like we're not gonna fight these solutions on our own we're gonna fight these or fight these problems on our own we're gonna fight find these solutions together so yeah that's one of the benefits of living in a super like a hyper interconnected world right like we're all connected in every in every way in so many facets mm-hmm. um and by so many different mediums at this point so yeah um, you definitely find your people whoever those people are right so yeah and especially with shared identities I always go back to this quote of like, you know, I don't know everything, but together we know a lot. So, you know, that's, that has broken down my entitlement and my stubbornness very much. So in this world, um, which really helped. And that, that, that again goes back to like our shared, not shared lived experience, but our, uh, our lived experiences. Again, you live a much different life than I do. And you know, something I don't always. So it's like, you know, and vice versa. Um, but how can we start using that knowledge to not just lift each other up, but lift our communities up too. And that comes with these conversations. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. I'm gonna let you get out of here. Um, Vasu, where can people find you on social? Where can people find you all over the internet? Um, mm-hmm. And obviously anything you feel like plugging, feel free. This is your time. Yeah, sure. So I'm mostly on Instagram. Um, and what is my tag? It's Vasu. So Jitra, and then, um, yeah, I mean, the biggest plug is, you know, our films are dropped. Go check them out. It's definitely a breath of fresh air when it comes to uh, sharing different narratives that we might not see in the ski industry. So uh, the approach film, Ascend, and then uh, Warren Miller as well. So all three of those have been kind of wandering around the internet um, or on tour around the country. So check them out. Definitely, definitely gives a different perspective on what disability means and what being a person of color means and being a woman or all these other, you know, aspects that tend to be excluded. So, yeah, very excited about sharing all of that stuff. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for the time. Man. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. All right, that was a good one. I really enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed talking to Vasu. I have wanted to talk to him for a long time. And honestly, I was just like... I. I don't know what the, like the I'm I'm in awe of the dude for sure. Like he's he's really rad and he's so humble and he's so thoughtful. 
Um, and uh, the dude is just not afraid to say what he thinks. And like, I think that's that's something that I really admire, for sure. Um, before we get into our conversation with Sam Cooch, we have another sponsor for today. Um, and that is... Pearl Wax. Uh, Pearl Wax has been a sponsor of the show for a couple years now. They've been a supporter of me and the show for uh, for a minute, and uh, they make the fastest wax out there. They are family-owned, uh, right in Colorado, made in Colorado, a Colorado company, you would say. Um, and they just make good wax, and they make good wax that is good for the environment, um, and that does not harm the environment that we work so hard um, in every day, so... Um, be sure to get yourself some pearl wax. If you would like to do that, you can go to www.pearlwax.com and then use promo code OUT OF BOUNDS, all caps, and save 20% on your first purchase um, of some new wax or wax kit, wax items, skin wax. They've got they've got the whole line. And they've got a new pro series of waxes too, which is rad. Um, so check that stuff out and let them know that we sent you. And without further ado, Sam Cooch. So cool. Sam, tell people who you are first and a little bit about yourself and then we'll go from there. Thanks. Yeah. Sam Cooch here. I'm uh, from Nelson, BC. Been living there my whole life. Started skiing when I was two years old. Um, yeah. Been, when did I get into the scene? Kind of, but I guess it was like 2016. So I got my first sponsor, Head. And then from there, been like doing a bit of like the free ride contest scene through through the whole juniors and then uh i don't know kind of lost a bit of lost a bit of passion for a bit and then um got a sweet opportunity with this crew that was coming through nelson and got to film with them and then from that video just my name started popping and i, I won some awards i have three and then from there like from there till now it's been like about three years like my career has kind of come around yeah, it's like you're one of the most talked about people in skiing right now. And like it, for good reason. Like I mean, it's it's ridiculous to see where you've come. And I mean, you're also so young. Like so young. Yeah, 23. That's funny. I was just in Whistler and apparently anytime I'm on the road like people are asking how old I am and I get them to guess cuz like I don't know, maybe I look a bit older, I guess. You do look a little older. 27, 28. No, I'm just 23. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm uh I'm 26 and I get the same deal a lot. I've kind of been like I yeah, I've been yeah, kind of doing the same same deal for quite a few years now, but it's it's insane. You also like and I don't mean this as an insult, but like your skiing style is very mature. Like it's it's like <laughs> I don't know, it, you seem like a vet and you carry yourself like a vet and you look at you in ads and in the Arterix commercials and I don't know, even the thing you did with Katie Burrell last year, it's like you carry yourself very, very well for someone who is so young. And I think that's that's a huge compliment to you, man. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. Sometimes I think about that. I'm like, well, I could, like all my friends are older and everyone who I hang out with. So it's like, sometimes I'm like, maybe I should act a little younger and be like around people my own age. <laughs> like my my ex-girlfriend, she's like 32. And I think that was like part of what melted me. Oh, really? Like, yeah into this realm i guess yeah (laughs) what uh yeah that's insane so tell me a little bit about what kind of caused this career resurgence and what made you even want to film another video part and kind of like actually keep pushing for this are you talking like this year this video part no 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 like a few years ago like three years ago when things started to pop again in your ski career 
Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I'll start with like the time where I was feeling a little bit down on myself. I, I was competing and I'm in Nelson where it's kind of almost like a bit of a black hole for like the scene's not really here. And most people that I talk to don't even really know where Nelson is. Like if you're in the core ski scene, you do because there's like metallic and bald faces around here. And it is a bit of a bit of a spot. But like as far as like athletes coming out of here, it's I can't recall any other pros have come out other than the late Travis Steger, who he blew up a few years ago, but um, ended up passing away tragically before he was able to really prove himself. But um, anyway, yeah, a bit of a dark hole here in, in Nelson. And I was like trying to work towards getting getting noticed. And I was doing the junior comp scene and then we tried to get onto the FWQs, like free world qualifiers, trying to get onto the world tour and did that, had got pretty close. I was like fourth on the in the standing so i like missed the tour on by one one placement and then i was like oh what do i do now like i should probably start focusing on a job or like a way to make money better like i was doing just roofing in the summer times and then taking winters off and going on employment insurance and that wasn't super sustainable i don't think but i was living the lifestyle but i kind of wanted something a little more and so i started focusing on what i was going to do after that and then it was like late springtime that this came around is actually like the closing weekend at Whitewater. There's a crew, uh, Stan Ray, um, ABM, Mike Riddle, and Anna Seagal. They came through town and they were doing this video for Toyota. And uh, they were looking for somebody to show them around the mountain. And we'll have local photographer, Brian Ralph, Ralphie, he, uh, he was like a big supporter of mine. We're buddies. So he hit me up to, to tour these guys around. And then end up going, I didn't even think I was going to get filmed or anything, but I was like, oh, maybe this is a chance for me to shred my hardest and then the whole weekend ended up like the stars aligned and i was like bopping shit that i never even tried before and stomping it and then i guess the video kind of just turned into like more of a sam Fuchs video and it was even just part of that series so from that that video came out kind of blew up and my name was like right up in there and i, I got i um discovered the year at if3 festival and then from there like scott gaffney hit me up from msp and then everything just kind of skyrocketed. What what was it about the Free Ride World Tour that even interested you in the beginning at all, right? Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of different paths that people take to becoming a professional skier. And one of the ones that is popular is going through the Free Ride World Tour. But it's, in my opinion, one of the harder ones to do, to actually become an established pro, right? Because that core audience that watches that is really, really into it. But... I don't know how much it resonates with like your everyday skier, you know? So talk to me a little bit about what the want, like the drive was to do that. Uh, I think that was just the path that I, that I could envision. Like the one that I saw was possible. And um, actually another pro skier that came out, Nelson, uh, Trace Cook, he was on the world tour for, for a number of years. And that was the path he took. And he, got on there and that's like all the kids from Nelson, we had looked up to him and we we're like, okay, hey, that's, that's how you do it. So that was kind of, I guess my one track mind into it. And that was like, my, my main goal was like to do that and then find a way to be in ski movies. And that's, that's what I really wanted to do. But I don't know, I just didn't, just didn't see, uh, like I was making my own edits and stuff, but like, I didn't really have much of a platform. People didn't know who I was or anything. So I was like, yeah, this is the way to do it get my name out through contests yeah are you are you an avid watcher of the tour now uh not as much as i was now i'm 
I like watching uh, other people's content. But honestly, I like I like watching snowboarding and <laughs> and, uh, and like mountain biking. I think I draw my inspiration from places like that. But especially snowboarding, I'm a big fan of of watching riding. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's like a totally different. It's funny. For so long, there was this divide between skiers and snowboarders. Now you hear skiers saying it a lot. It's like the I feel like I've watched more skate videos in the last month than I've watched ski videos right and this is like ski video premiere season and I'm like watching old skate video like I don't know it's just it's something different and the feel is very different but you're starting to see a lot of ski videos and ski movies and projects come out and that have a little more to them I guess that have a little more connection to that audience yeah yeah I think like watching a ski video you can I draw a lot of inspiration from those people and but like I don't really want to be a direct copy or anything. Like if I see someone right. do a rad line, I'm not going to just go do that line. And, uh, but like watching snowboarding, they just have a different approach and a different flow. It's kind of got more of a surfy vibe to it. And I really like, I like that. And then adding that to my own skiing, that's kind of like attacky. I think that's, yeah. that's what I've seen from myself, I guess. Yeah. Well, is there someone in particular that you watch snowboarding or skiing that's, that inspires you? um yeah skiers inspire me or uh i don't like i've always grown up obviously sean pettit back in the day before he turned snowboard well now he's a snowboarder too I, <laughs> I inspired by that. so yeah pettit forever has been mad inspiring to me and uh sammy carlson flow like no other and then uh yeah just guys like i think like just watching people who really are super playful in the backcountry that's that's why i like watching i don't really watch park or I, mean, I like watching urban, but I think just the type of skiing I do, I like watching other people doing that too. Yeah. What about on the snowboard side of things? Uh, snowboard side, like Blake Paul. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, Travis Rice doing that ridiculous shit. I like watching that. But uh, yeah, Blake Paul and um, um, Kevin Backstrom. Those yeah. guys, like, especially their inbound stuff. It's just so, there's just like the way that something I really love watching is when people just do like, ridiculous big airs in places where you're not supposed to do big airs yeah <laughs> like so so exciting to watch and that's like what those boys are all about yeah that's one of the most interesting things to me about sean pettit it's like it's always been the way that he was as a skier and his style and just how fucking good he was at it but the snowboard side of things and this like persona that he's kind of like fully embraced these days is something totally unique to this industry. It's like, it's something that I, I just haven't really seen, right? Obviously there's other people that ski and snowboard and kind of do, kind of do a little bit of everything. You look at Parker White and uh, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of people, but Sean's like actually like, I don't know. He's like not doing the skiing, skiing thing at all. It seems like, and he's fully invested himself into snowboarding. Mm -hmm. I think something I gather and like what, just talking to other people who know Sean well, like I think maybe the, the pressure and also like the, the ability, like not having the ability to, to be fully himself as the skier that he created, like, like his, his brand and everything maybe wasn't exactly what, what he, like who he is. So I think he just took that and he was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to just completely reset and do my own thing. I think is respectable. Have you felt any of that type of pressure yourself as you've kind of like, I don't know, like the Sam Cooch star, so to speak, has grown quite a bit over the last few years. And I imagine with that comes more pressure, comes more opportunity, comes more things to do, comes more 
fucking idiots asking you to do interviews. Like it's like this kind of thing is really, it adds a lot to the job, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't think yet. Like I'm, I'm still trying to maintain my own personality and everything. I don't think that's ever going to change. I think there's like, I'm happy to be making my own videos now and like trying to try to push my own brand in my, my own way. Cause I think like, like I love working with MSP and, and those guys. And I think that's like, they've built my career completely, but um, I think having somebody else kind of creating my brand over the years, maybe made it not exactly how, how I would have like the whole, like MSP put out this, this edit that was like best gear. In there. Sam Kirsten, I just gear saw in that. Book. Yeah. I just watched that like 10 minutes ago. I don't think I'd title a video of myself that, like that's not really what I'm trying to. It says in. that though, like five minutes into it, it's like Sam probably wouldn't say this about himself, which I thought was yeah, nice yeah. at least. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Gaffney's Gaffney's got my back, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not not throwing that kind of shit out there. But um, I'm still kind of working on exactly like portraying who I am and uh, discovering that over these next over these last few years, like how I want to be, how I want to be portrayed, and I think I think it's kind of coming around, like. People just know me for who I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing in, in skiing that uh, like the audience has such a direct access point to you as a skier, right? It's like they see your films, they have access to you on Instagram. They, they kind of get, they almost get a feel for you in some cases. And in some cases, like I just, I just had Alex Hackle on a few minutes ago and he was talking about Simon Dumont. And I feel like Dumont is one of the ones where like you look at him on social and it's not really an indication of what he's like in real life. So I guess it's really hard to kind of differentiate those things as you're, as you're starting to make like a real name for yourself in the sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something I'm working on, especially social media. Like that's, that is the place where like, we're lucky we have this tool. I'm not a big fan of using social media. Like I, I imagine like looking back on the good old days of pro scheme and and like it was, it was just that movie part. Nobody saw your shit until the end of the year when you had their movie part. Like that was so rad. But also social media is such a cool tool where you can really um, promote yourself and promote what you're about. And that's something I'm working on. I think like I have ski content on there, but I think people still are like, I'm still a bit of a mystery of who I am. So I'm working on that and just like being myself and trying to create content that's authentic to me. Yeah. Yeah, what does that look like? I mean, what is that? What content feels the most authentic to you? I guess because I don't know. I think part of my authentic self is that I'm not flashing my shit around. You know? like that, <laughs> but that's, that's part of the job. Yeah, I know it's part of the job, and that's why I'm that's why I'm working on it's on the it's on the forefront of my mind is is creating my brand. Yeah, yeah, it's the thought the thought process of like promoting yourself. I, I, I struggle with it all the time. Like even like promoting this podcast to me, every time I post it and I like post an interview or I like post a conversation, it's like every time I'm promoting it and I'm pushing this thing, I'm like, God, I'm like so sick of myself, you know, like I'm so <laughs> sick of talking about like this thing that I like that's going on. And I can't imagine what that's like on the professional skiing side of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just something I'm working on. Well, for one, for you, like you seem to be doing pretty good with it. I'm a fan of your podcast and you. I appreciate it. Really it's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. And I don't mean that like in a neck, like I'm enjoying it and it's a good time, but it's hard to be 
it feels gross, <laughs> you know, like you're just like you're pushing and pushing and pushing and like that's kind of what you have to do so that people see your, see your stuff and see your content, see your videos. I mean, you just had a huge video part come out. I mean, are you sick of talking about here goes yet? Like, is that, does that kind of stuff at a certain point feel like, like, okay, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Right. Well, I was still pretty fresh. I like, I'm I'm proud of that. I think it's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. It's my, it's my best work yet. And, uh, it's kind of my entrance into, I don't know, producing my own films. And so I did that with CK9 Studios. They're a local Nelson company. And they, they came out their first, like their debut. And it was uh, Overtime with Sammy Carlson, which that blew up and is, is a beautiful edit. And both those guys that came from Sherpa's Cinema and then wanted to do their own thing. And so they created CK9. And it was Clay Mitchell and Simon Shave. And uh, yeah, they live in Nelson. We were like, the past few years like why don't we work together we're we're both kind of coming up in the scene we got ski skills and and uh, film production skills like why not work together so this year with the sport of arcteryx it was a bit of like a last minute um thing to get into so we with the sport of arcteryx like around january we we're like they were able to muster up like a bit of bit of dough to like help us help us produce this and then we just like went hard at it like filming every day and we're out there with Tatum and Noah a lot too, because they were also uh, creating her video passage. So we had the sweet little foursome crew and we were just like getting after it every single day. And it just turned out to be like, yeah, the best, best skiing I've ever done. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And like such low pressure with those guys. Cause like we're buddies, they're so driven. They like have more drive than I do. Like at, at, like at the end of the day when I'm pooped out, like Clay still wants to go. He's like, so it's like yeah they they totally push me yeah that's amazing so what's it like when you go to film something like that that's your own versus filming something with i don't know a group like msp um maybe i just have more personal drive to do it i don't know it's all pretty fresh to me so like any day filming i'm always going to be going out and giving her and that's another way i like to ski i get i find i fire myself up really easily and like every day I go riding I'm always trying to always trying to push it yeah but um yeah I don't see a big difference because it's all like I'm just trying to get a good part and trying to have fun basically which usually translates into a good ski day yeah what was there something in that in that video that you were like okay like this is like this has to be in there. Like this is the thing that I really want to make sure makes this film project. Like as far as uh, ski clips go, as or... far as ski clips, or as far as I mean, ski clips. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, no, I didn't like set any super particular goals. I like when I go into a season, I think of like when I visualize, like I just have like kind of a broad visualization of different kind of tricks or lines or something that I want to do. And, but going into last season, I was just like, like we had this little bit of budget to do. And I was like, okay, let's like, I'm just going to go. And I find like before scouting, like when, when we get to a zone, I usually just like scan it and there's where I like visualize and like imagine what I'm going to do in this particular spot. So like I didn't have like a big set of goals going into it. But every day that I went out, I was like, I would get super inspired. And that's how we ended up getting all this. <laughs> getting this sweet edit. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing. And for people that haven't watched it, um, I would highly, highly recommend it. And obviously, I'll include it in the show notes and stuff. Um, talk to me a little bit about working with a brand like Arteryx. Like, what has that been? Because how long has it been? Has it been a year? Uh, the last two years. Two years. Okay. So what's that? Yeah. What's that process been like? I mean, they're they're a large company, and over the last few years, they've definitely started to make their way into this like. I don't know, the sponsoring of professional skiers quite a bit more. I mean, you're seeing like Michelle Parker, Tatum Minode, you. There's a whole crew of people that are insane athletes on this Arteryx program now from coming from other brands. So what has that been like working with them so far? Yeah, Arteryx, like I'm so grateful to be on this brand. Like they've, uh, they've been so helpful and they're moving in such an interesting direction too. Like, when I first, I was first introduced to them by Murray Weiss from MSB. And I was like my first season film with them. And I, uh, I didn't have any outerwear sponsors. I was just riding for head skis. And, uh, so I was kind of searching around and Murray was well connected. So he got me in touch with Justin Sweeney, the team manager of Arcteryx. And I happened to align right at a time where they were kind of looking to speak to a bit of a younger generation, I think. And, um, I just happened to be there at the right time. And, and, uh, yeah, I was like fresh on the scene, doing young guy shit. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we, so we linked on, and also I think like Arcteryx aligns with what I'm about. They like kind of have this humble strength to them, and and I really I, uh, I vibe with that. And so yeah, I got on with them, and then we worked like the next few years, and yeah, with like Tatum, they just, they brought her on about the same time as me and Michelle, and now they they have like two snowboarders like Elena Height and Spencer O'Brien. I both like ex Olympian slope style half pipe snowboarders. Yeah. And then uh Cole Richardson they just brought on as well. Sick. And, uh, yeah, so like they have this whole new younger demographic that's like really free ride and they're really, really pushing us really hard, which is which is so sweet. And just being a part of the brand, like there's so much support. Like I still have yet to hear no from them, which is really Yeah. Like, such a pleasure to be on. Yeah. It's amazing to hear because I think one of the one of the things that I end up talking about a lot on the show is just how difficult it is to make it as a pro skier and how difficult it is to make it as anybody that wants to do anything creative or different in this industry, right? Because there's not like a direct path. There's not a template that anybody necessarily sent the set beforehand for you to be like, okay, you contact Arteryx and you send them A, B, C, and D, and then they'll say yes or no, right? Like there's nothing like that that exists out there. And it's also unlike other sports where there's not really like wage clarity at all. Like nobody knows what anybody's getting paid. Like if this dude's getting more than this dude or this lady's making more than this, it's so hard to kind of figure out. So I guess it's really nice to hear that the support has been, been positive for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely has. I think like a lot of how I've been connected is just through through connections. Like, I think people seem to like to help me. Like my friends are truly my friends. And uh, yeah, so like all the connections I've made have just been through mutual connections, like through Murray Weiss or Ralphie, like I said, and Scott Gaffney has been like just connecting me all through like everywhere. And, and I also got an agent recently. Um, Jameson Keegan from Superheroes. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, he's been a big help too. Like, I think the type of person I am, I have trouble just uh, dropping numbers on my head and yeah. and telling people how sick I am. Yeah. It's really, it's really helpful to have those the support from those people like that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of the things that I think 
a lot of skiers could really benefit from is having an agent. Like it's just because their whole, there's a plus and a minus to it, right? It's like everybody always worries about being taken advantage of if somebody else is like handling your business for you. But at the same time, like I'm similar to you in the sense where like, I don't want to be like, I'm worth this amount of money give here's and obviously this is like on the media side but when i go to a brand and i'm like hey like i think this product is worth this i always end up undershooting myself right like i always end up being like yeah whatever whatever you think is best like and i'm telling this to the brand that's paying me and it's really hard to it's just hard to put a value on yourself sometimes and i think an agent kind of makes sure that you don't get taken advantage of in that sense especially being young i mean you're you're young enough that it really it matters what you do right now Mm mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's been so helpful being with these guys, and, and yeah, you, you nailed it. You nailed it right there. <laughs> yeah. um, what do you have going on this season? What's what is upcoming? Like, do you have anything set in stone? I'm I'm always curious as to how the whole planning process works for athletes in this space. Like, because it's so weather dependent, and so like, where is the snow? And right now, it feels like there is no snow anywhere. Like all of North America is shit pretty much um, in terms of snow conditions. I don't know what Canada's like, so I guess I shouldn't say all of North America, but uh, the U.S. for sure is uh, is trash all the way across the board right now. So, yeah, dude, we're pretty far behind too. Like, Whitewater's supposed to be opening. Whitewater is my local resort. It's supposed to be opening on uh, on Saturday or on Friday, sorry. And I was just looking at the the webcams, and it's still hurting. There's like still like rhododendron sticking out of the snow. Sick. And- It'll probably just open one run. And I was just skiing in Whistler too. And there's like boilerplate there. It rained all the way to the top. Yeah. So it's hurting. We're pretty far behind, especially compared to last year. Yeah. As far as what my plans are this year, um, I mentioned Cole Richardson earlier. He's, we both share the same sponsors, like him and I. And we, like, I don't know, we have, we have chemistry. Every time we ski together, it's just like, like we're so naturally fire each other up. And we kind of both have a similar vision, but such a different, style so uh and he's also gonna he's moving to nelson this year so we planned a video with ck9 and it's gonna be an arcteric sponsored uh project nice. yeah so that's um that's gonna be pretty big i think like we got lots of support from arcteric this year and feeling a bit of pressure for it but i yeah. think the pressure is gonna be good like it's like just inspiring us to work hard so we're we're in the creative process of that right now i won't explain exactly what the video is about yet but um but we have lots of plans. We have a few places set in stone where we're going, but like you said, it's really hard with snow conditions to to um, lock in things like that far in advance. Yeah. But that's like I think the fortune of our of where we're skiing, like of our job right now. Like basically, we just follow wherever the good snow is. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a quite a far cry lucky. from uh, from roofing, I guess. Like in the summers, like it's a totally different type of thing. It's like this is what you're doing. Like you're going and you're having like you're going to have a good time. Like that's basically the goal at the end of every day, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like I'm a bit of a homebody, but I think like this year, like I'm so prepared to just to just get after it and be be out there all the time. And and I'm getting better at traveling and more comfortable being on the road and. Like, I think I'm a bit of an introvert and I need time alone to recharge, but I'm finding ways to be able to do that when I'm on the road and stuff. So it's like, I actually really enjoying this whole traveling thing. Like this whole fall, I've been been on the road, like following film tours or went to Costa Rica the other, like a couple of weeks ago Sick. for a little, little sun time and surfing before I came, before the winter season starts. 
so I don't, it's been, I'm enjoying being away a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, as somebody who's introverted, it's gotta be a little more difficult to kind of like put yourself out there and like, go, uh, go do this level of travel. Cause I mean, it is, it's exhausting. It's quite a, it, it, it's a ton. You're moving around all the time and you never really feel settled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like living out of a suitcase can, can get exhausting, but I think traveling with these boys that I'm going to be with, like Clay and Simon and Cole, like we're all buddies and probably by the end of the season, we'll all be brothers. Yeah. You'll have a good time. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to get into this season. Sick. Is there, is there something in your mind that you're like, is there a place in your mind that you're like, I really want to get here. Like I really want to go ski this. Uh, do you set goals like that? Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the main goals is Alaska, obviously. I think like, all of us have been talking about it and we're just trying to figure out how we can get there and, and what we're going to do when we do. Yeah. But um, yeah, my whole, like since I was a kid, watched my first ski movie, Alaska has been the, the pinnacle. So we're hoping this year we can make that work. It looks like they're already having a really good start to that season there. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as like goal setting this year, I've set myself a lot of like technical goals and just like what I exactly what I want to do on my skis. Yeah. And what, uh, yeah, I'm still working on on setting like ultimate goals for for my life and my career. Yeah, that's something that I'm like. This is actually really nice. We had this Arcteryx Athlete Summit the other day, and we had a sports psych in there, and he was explaining goal setting and and kind of like ways you can go about it, and like starting just the most minute little goals, and then having those come together to grow like your bigger goals overall. And so I've been kind of doing little webs of that and trying to figure out exactly where, where I want to be and where I want to go. What was that like? What was the experience like having that, talking to a sports psychologist and talking and being at an athlete summit? Yeah, athlete summit is sweet. That's another reason why Arcteryx is so rad and why they're so supportive. Like they brought us all together in Whistler last week and we all got a big Airbnb together. And it was basically just a time to like, we met all the, all the CEOs and VPs of the, of the brand and got the opportunity to go through the factory and see how jackets are made. Like, like I, I really understand why Arctex jackets are priced the way they are. Like they're ridiculous. They're so, so ridiculous. Like it's, yeah. it, it's so expensive, but it's like you put that shit on and you're like, all right, like this is uh this is why it is what it is. Yeah. You can feel it when you're wearing it. It's just like, this is good shit. Yeah, for sure. And so, it's, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Got that opportunity. And, uh, yeah, they they really were taking care of us. So they had like sports psych in there and also like a physiotherapist. And so we would like take turns with both of those guys, like getting the opportunity to chat and kind of dig deep and assess our bodies and minds. And the sports psych was, it was super cool. Like he's, uh, I've never actually talked to a sports psych before. I've always just like ran the shit through my head, but we, we talked a lot about visualization and um, even got into like, uh, superstition and stuff about skiing like because everyone everyone in the room was like has their own little superstitions before they drop into a line or before they do anything and we talked about that and how that's like superstitions don't have to be true but the way you can like you can blend that into just being like like a routine that you do just to make easier mind yeah we talked about stuff like that and yeah it's just interesting talking to a talk to a sports psych and I'd, i'd like to uh follow up on that too especially around goal setting and stuff. Yeah. What do you have for superstitions? Um, that's no longer superstition. Okay. <laughs> You've worked through it. Okay, cool. Confidence booster. But uh, it was like me saying, here goes. That's 
like the name yeah. of the video that we just made um started as a superstition I, I can't even remember when it started but i think like it's probably just one day i did something gnarly and was like okay here it goes yeah and after that, I was successful and then after that i was like, okay that's what i have to say like that's what's going to make me be successful so then from then on out would say it all the time for like everything that i do whether it be like i do it like public speaking or i don't know driving a long road trip or something i just say here it goes and and then uh but now I say it like I've been like, okay, hey, I can't let this be a superstition because then it's going to get the best of me. Someday it's going to get the best of me. So instead, I just like kind of melded that in my mind to just be a little confidence booster before I before I go do something. And it does truly like put my put my mind at ease. Like if I've if I've said that, then it's like okay, like I feel I feel comfortable. You feel locked in. That's uh that's crazy. Have you? I feel like there's been a lot of talk about mindfulness and the mental aspect of skiing. And I don't know, just kind of like being more thoughtful about the approach that people take as athletes and people take as, as people in general lately, especially online. Is that something that's valuable to you? Is that something that you use very often? Mindfulness, like you're talking visualization and, and just like being thoughtful about your approach to things, right? Like, cause I feel like some people just go like empty brain, like they just like go for shit, right? Like, cause honestly, sometimes that's my, when I'm nervous about doing something and I don't want it, like I'm, I'm in a situation I don't necessarily want to be in, but I have to do it. That's what I end up doing is I end up just going like, we're going to go blank and we're just going to like, we're, we're going for it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like whatever yeah, the result is the result, right? But sometimes mm -hmm you can put yourself in a much better position by actually thinking about your approach and, and thinking about the way you want to do things and visualizing like how things could go potentially. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a huge visualizer and before doing anything that makes me nervous and scared, like, like I don't, I don't fire myself up and like punch myself in the chest. Like I think, I think a really good approach is to, is to like kind of go within and almost get into a meditative state. Like I have a little, diddly I do before I drop in especially if it's something that's making me nervous like I find I stand out look over at the horizon like taking the energy of the mountains and like like breathe in deep like so deep until it hurts and then breathe out and like hold that for a while and then breathe out and like envision when I'm breathing in envision all the energy like coming into me and all this like powerful energy and then as I breathe out like I'm breathing out the butterflies and like I actually have a vision of the butterflies flying out of me and like the the feeling before and after that is such a big contrast. Like I'm so calm after that. And I think that's just like a form of meditation. And that's something that the sports psych was saying. He's saying like, if you do that breathing, but like really fast, like diaphragm breathing, like then it'll make you lightheaded. But if you like, if you're able to like breathe as if you're meditating, like with your stomach, then uh, it really like, is able to calm your brain, calm your calm your heart. And so they're doing that before dropping in. And then also mixed with like visualizing your line in all different all different ways, like first person, third person, and just being able to focus. I think for me personally, like it just puts me that much deeper into a focused mindset. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy that this I feel like this has been talked about so much over the past few years. And like before that, I like I don't remember growing up thinking about this side of things at all. Like I like I I remember like, I don't know your parents tell you take deep breaths before you do something scary or whatever, like it, that kind of thing. Right. But mm -hmm. over the last few years, the science of it has kind of come to fruition. And that's, 
it's such an insane thing to me, the effect that just breathing has on your body and your mental state. Yeah, absolutely. Like you look at like Wim Hof and then you can like, yeah, control his that motherfucker's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's cool seeing the, the rise of like meditation and uh, like there's, I, I do this podcast and um, it's called the mindful, mindful athlete. I think it's called. And uh, yeah, it's basically just this guy runs you through like 15 minute meditation sessions and and it's i've only started doing it recently but i think i've always meditated in my own way but doing it like from a podcast and actually like focusing on like proper meditation techniques it's it's really cool like i do it usually every morning when i wake up no shit that's fucking rad and it's called the yeah, mindful like breathing and focusing like focusing on your mind on just one thing and i think practicing that like you can kind of apply that anytime in your life yeah, no kidding. And able to yourself, and like I think things for, for things like anxiety and stress, like being able to channel that into like being able to channel your meditating practices into like things like that in regular life, you can really overcome those things like anxiety. Yeah, yeah, that's that's insane. Mindful athlete, it's called. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a mindful athlete. Okay. Cool. I'll, uh, I'll try to include a link in the show notes. It's, uh, yeah, dude, it's, that stuff is so important and I'm glad it's kind of starting to come around and skiing a little more, especially the last few years. And even like, at like the quote unquote pinnacle of the sport, right? You see Michaela Schifrin like doing the, like, this is like the thing. It's funny. I actually like, I was on the chair this morning and I got off the lift and I saw somebody doing that just like before their run, like before their regular run. And I was like, okay, like this is a little nuts, but it's, it's crazy to see people doing that practice they see one person they see an athlete do it they hear an athlete talk about it and all of a sudden it becomes valuable to the masses Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i I agree i think and like seeing everyone has their own way of getting themselves like tuned in and prepared for for like a line or a race or something but i think like often i see people like pumping themselves up really hard and shutting their brain off and then like they end up i don't know maybe getting over stoked i think like breathing and like putting oxygen in your blood like that's like literally what's happening like it's like your, your mind just opens so much more and you're able to like fully assess the situation yeah awesome um well sam i uh i think we should wrap this thing up here um tell me where people can find you online where people can find you on social and obviously where people can go watch here goes um which is an absolute must for for anybody mm-hmm. uh yeah Instagram, Sam Cooch underscore. That's my gram. Um, yeah, I'm on Facebook too. Um, but for Here Goes, go watch it on uh, on Arcteryx's YouTube channel. It's Here Goes, Sam Cooch, CK9. I recommend watching it. It's my, my best work yet. It's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And I like, you do not need to like promote it yourself, I feel like, because like people watch this shit and it's just like, it's so clear how like it's so ridiculous to watch and i i give you all the credit in the world man like and and for just like how humble you are about it is is ridiculous to me because that's a it's hard to not let that kind of shit go to your head and it doesn't seem like that's happened literally at all to you which is uh which is amazing i i I know i'm fucking so lucky i just being able to do this shit all the time i I just think about that every morning and i think that's that's a good way to stay humble (laughs) <laughs> not everyone gets to do shit like this. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, awesome. I appreciate the time, brother. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. 
All right, that is today's episode. Uh, thank you to our friends at Burn Helmets and Pearl Wax uh, for sponsoring this episode of the show. Uh, be sure to check out promo codes in the uh, show notes. Uh, be sure to check out everything that Voss is in because he's in 47 things this fall. And be sure to check out Here Goes from Sam Cooch. Um, these are, uh, it, it's amazing to see what people are putting out there these days. And I could not feel more fortunate to get to talk to these people. And with that, I will talk to you guys next week. Uh, we have Seth Campbell, glaciologist, who is going to tell us about the future of glaciers and glacial skiing and, and a whole bunch more. Um, Alex Hackle, Andy Perry. We got a whole show lined up for next week, so I will uh, talk to you then. Thanks. Bye.